You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the oppressing city. She listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing till the morning. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. The Lord within her is righteous, shows forth his justice. Each dawn he does not fail, but the unjust knows no shame. I have cut off nations. Their battlements are in ruins. I have laid waste their streets so that no one walks in them. Their cities have been made desolate without a man, without an inhabitant. I said, surely you will fear me. You will accept correction. Then your dwelling would not be cut off according to all that I have appointed against you. But all the more they were eager to make all their deeds corrupt. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up to seize the prey. For my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation, all my burning anger. For in the fire of my jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated, and children can be dismissed to classes. Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Real quick, uh, if you're a member and you have not in the last three months, filled, uh, three weeks, filled out um, membership renewal, you need to do that. Otherwise, I'm going to come knocking at your door and you don't want that. So please do that. Uh, if you have no idea what that is, you need to get on Realm. If you don't know what that is, then go to myvillagechurch.com. And scroll down, and it will say, uh, request an invite to Realm. Click on that. Uh, we'll need some information from you. And then you can get into the loop on how we communicate things internally with what's going on around here. And so please do that. We care about who it is. Uh, the, the elders of this church get to shepherd the flock among us. And part of that is the formality of knowing who that is. And, and membership renewal is one way to help us do that. A lot more in that, but uh, that's it for that. So uh, September 3rd, 1967. You're all familiar with that? What happened that day, I think? Um, I'm kidding. You're like, what? Honey, honey, what is it? The day that all of Sweden remembers as the day that changed everything about their morning commute, right? That was the day when uh, up until that point, Sweden as a nation drove on the left side of the road. But on that day, uh, September 3rd, 1967, they began driving on the right side of the road. And you might be thinking, wow, that's a logistical nightmare. And you are correct. So uh, the reason why they wanted to do that, the countries around them, by and large, drove on the right side. And they felt like the distance, the drivers were sitting in the left of the car. And so there was a lot of distance between oncoming traffic. Um, and so they just thought this is probably best. And so it was no small effort. Uh, in one single moment, it changed, but things had been leading up to that for a long time, right? And, and so the, the local uh, government, you didn't have a choice, right? 
And so they knew uh, this was a huge effort, millions of dollars in research and marketing to make sure that everyone was on board. And there were like Snapchat stories and Facebook stuff. And every, this was 67. So they had to buy signs and put them everywhere to make sure that people knew that this was a thing. Months of signage and, and light, uh, traffic light, sign, all that stuff, markings on the roads. And the time came to shut down. And when they did that, all but essential traffic uh, was shut down for about 10 hours throughout the night. And then it was in the morning, like, let's do it. So those that were on the road at that time, and you can look, you can listen to podcasts and look at stuff online where you kind of begin to see this and people are standing outside of their cars and they're just like, what is happening? And hey, how dare you, right? Um, thousands of workers and volunteers, as well as just the shared responsibility of community the shared responsibility of the society at large to make this thing happen. And when it happened, uh, it was pretty good. There was some brief congestion in the moment and in the moments following the immediate shift, but, but, but by and large, it was a success, and they drive on the right side of the road today, so I hear. Never been there. Um, I've been to Ikea. I don't know if that helps. Um, so just as an exercise... All right, imagine with me uh, that one by one, slowly uh, ramping up more and more, the drivers began reverting back to driving on the wrong side of the road. Um, but the law remained, right? Maybe you can even just close your eyes and think about your morning commute and how terrible, even more terrible. I, I shouldn't do that. You guys are like getting stressed. It's Sunday. I, I shouldn't. Think about how terrible that would be. Be this guy uh, day in, day out, week in, week out, here and there. But what if like it wasn't just like one bad driver? It was everyone doing whatever they thought was right in their own eyes, right? The beautiful order of the design society and the community would grind to a halt nearly immediately. If we zoom out to a global level, that, that is what humanity lives in to the extent that it rebels and rejects God's rule and authority. That chaos of your morning commute, just simple local traffic laws, the grand scale of the world that you live in, that's why it feels like it does. Because there are rebels everywhere doing whatever they think is right in their own eyes. God has established a rule of life, and, and everyone who, who uh, goes against that rule, they are contributors to this chaos. But here's the thing, God is infinitely more powerful than a city planner, than a police force, than a crossing guard, and yet the world infected with sin has lost its mind in the way that it lives and drives, <laughs> right? Uh, all of the suffering, all of the broken parts, all of the chaos, all of the noise, all of the congestion that happens outside of us and that happens inside of us, it's all because arrogant rebels think they know better than the creator of the universe on how to build a just community. Rebels tear down society, but God builds it up. So jumping right into this, and we have some three points and all the things. Rest assured, there are three points. But 
But in chapter 3, here's what we see. All right? We see Zephaniah, he's preaching to just the two tribes in the south. And he's been telling them about the cities outside that, that have been destroyed and that will be destroyed. And he says this rebellious, uh, he says, Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the oppressing city. And you imagine literally uh, Zephaniah preaching to the choir where they're like, yeah, like, man, the rebel, the oppressing city. The, they listen to no one. All right, they will take the correction of no one. They, they trust not in the Lord, nor do they draw near to him. All right? Then it goes on. Uh, her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that, that leave nothing till morning. They are, they're just devouring everything. The judges, even. The local leaders, the national leaders. They're corrupt and wickedness is everywhere. Her prophets are fickle. Uh, treacherous men, her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. And you imagine Judah saying, yeah. Like, I've seen it with my own eyes. The world out there, they're wicked. They do what's right in their own eyes. Like, get them, Lord. And then he says this line. He says, the Lord within her is righteous. And they say, but Lord, you're not with them. And he said, I know, because I'm talking about you. Record scratch. Huh? But they? Are we? Yeah. They are we. We're, but we wear different uniforms, and we, and we, we point to a different flag. Yeah. The scope of the impending judgment has us in its sightline. The rebel among us is us. Yeah. That's what the Lord's telling him. See, see, we can identify the judgment against others pretty easily. Right? And, and in life, we have uh, left and right, and we have red and blue, and we have, those are both political, but they're not intended to be political. Right? You have all of the things where you can be this or that, and the other one is the enemy. That's what we do. But, but here's the thing. Correcting an unbalanced scale by unbalancing it in your favor, that isn't justice. And that's what, that's what Zephaniah is bringing to bear on these people today. These arrogant rebels about you, they are you. All right. So we look at this two truths of despair and a greater truth of hope. The first thing is this. Rebellion begins with arrogance. Or like, in other words, how did we get here? Like, to go back to the traffic analogy, like, why would someone decide to revert back and drive in the left lane instead of the right lane? And maybe you'd say, well, they wouldn't. And yet, in humanity's grander scale, we do this all the time. So why would we do that? Well, one, just really obvious, negligence. Like you imagine that guy, despite all the PR and all the marketing and all the signs, he wakes up and he's driving and he's drinking and he's like, wow, gosh, like these, the, the bad drivers are out today because everyone I'm driving right at me, like it's just negligent. He's just not aware of what's going on around him. And maybe you can, you can give him a pass for that. Once and say, hey, get over. 
But if you continue to live in negligence, you know what happens? You kill people. Maybe it's preference. Like, um, I'm driving here just because I liked it the way that it was. And if you don't know this about people, people don't like to change. So if you lead anything in your life and you're going to bring about change, you want to make sure that people know why you're doing that. But you can imagine people who, who that it was. So I'm going to continue to do that. Okay? But really, all that is getting down to this. Pride. Pride thinks that our way is the best way. Pride is, is arrogant. And pride is the seed of the rebel heart. Rebellion begins with Arrogance, And what that means is that outward rebellion is always laced with inward arrogance. Whatever you do on the outside, you're doing that because you think it on the inside. So, so whatever the justification you offer, at the end of the day, I'll drive over there. I'll do whatever I want because I'm more important or I know better or I'm, I'm not in submission to or subject to anything or anyone and the crazy thing is, no one would, would want everyone to live as a law unto themselves. That would be chaos. No one would want everyone else to be able to do what we do. And so you see that all the time when you see the driver on the curb lane, and you think, yeah, that's a great idea for you, who should have got up earlier, or should, okay, whatever. But, hey, but, but what if everyone did that, right? Yeah, I get it. I'm just dad or whatever. Like the grumpy old man, get off my lawn. You drive on the curb lane, uh, you don't yield when you're making a left turn, uh, or, or maybe the, the unwritten law when you, uh, you drive through an intersection because it's green, but you don't have room to get through. Have you ever driven through Hamilton at 5 o'clock? You have that every time, and you're just like, Ugh! this is chaotic. This is the scene of the global scheme riddled with rebellious hearts. And out front, this is what I want us to sit in. Don't deny it. Don't say, yes, hey, honey, are you hearing that? Hey, you know, daughter, are you? Look, for the sake of your freedom to walk in ways that honor God and advance good, if you could just lay down your pride right now and say that rebel among us, that's me. She listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord nor draw near to Him. See, rules are good, and everyone agrees with that. One-on-one -on -one basketball, like kids these days, there was a time when you, like, you, you drive to the hoop, and you, and you get a layup, and you give the ball back to them, or you miss it, and then you hustle, and you box out, and you, no. It's, now, uh, Titus and I will be playing basketball, and, and and I take four dribbles, and he's like, no, three dribbles. Like, what? No, you, don't, you should only take three dribbles. 
okay, I didn't, I didn't know that was a rule. And then you shoot, and you miss it, and, but then you go get it, and they're like, no, it's, it's my ball. Yeah, but no, like it's, and then when you make it, you, you know, you take it. That's what you do. And so, but if you didn't know that, then you're playing by different rules. And that's, that's not good. And so, again, you can take anything, and you, you can extract that out, and you can see that rules are good. They establish standards to apply justice to any society, a one-on-one basketball game or, or a global league of nations. It's the same thing. They establish right and wrong. They establish what type of society that is good in God. He establishes governance early and often throughout the world. Right? Early and often. Laws of physics. Barring miracles, you're subject to the laws of gravity. Barring miracles, you're subject to the laws of thermodynamics and the laws of conservation and mass and energy and all the things. Like, you don't believe me? When your car runs out of gas, what does it do? Right? And you're not changing that. It stops. Why? You have no, you have no energy source. You're, not going you're subject to these things. But then they get subjective. Mom and dad... See, from the beginning, God establishes this as, the, as the, the order of family. If you outright reject mom and dad's rule, then you're walking a line of arrogance that will show up in your other relationships. Namely, you are already rejecting God by rebelling against the authority that he's placed in your life. That's why when he established his covenant people, look, everything I'm going to say today is, man, we get to demonstrate wisdom in it. And it's not black and white all of the time, it, but it certainly is a heart posture, right? And so I'm not encouraging anything uh, abusive or t- subject to things that are, uh, right? And I'll preface along the way, but, but the thing of it is, uh, when he asserts the Ten Commandments, the, he literally wrote them in stone. This was one of them. Listen to your mom and dad. Honor them, right? Uh, the government... The one who rules and thinks like I do. Yes, I am subject to him. The one in, in the off year where, where my party has the guy in office and my party has the numbers. Yeah, I'm subject. Hey, sign me up for that. And, and, and in the other years as well. Okay, I'm just going to read a couple of passages of scripture. And I want you to feel what you're feeling. I want you to think about what's happening in you. Right? I've already incited you to anger a bit. Let's see what, what God can do through his word. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, gosh, it must have been nice then. It was super nice being fed to lions. And it was super nice when, when the bodies of Christians were being burned so that Nero could have a housewarming party. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resist what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad conduct. 
Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection. All these words that make us feel like, now we just want to say, like, I'm, a, I'm an American. I'm subject to no one. Then, then I'm glad you're here. Not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also... You pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Caesar, what a great guy. What do we do with them, Jesus? Should we just give them what's due? And it goes on. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect. Yikes. Respect. To whom, to whom honor is owed. See, these earthly powers are tools to shepherd and guard and shape and form our hearts, if nothing else, to teach us to submit and obey to the greater authority of the universe. Like, I know there are times to rebel. I know there are times when we can't do this, right? This is not to be extracted from all of the other scripture and how we navigate these things or, or just wisdom in general. Let me read something else to you. This was Jesus. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Like we're talking about justice. This is what we've been talking about. Like it's just love, an eye for an eye. Yes, get them what they deserve. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, Turn to him the other side. The nature is a backhand, right? This is not to subdue you or disarm you. It's to dishonor you. And if there's one thing I know about men in our culture, hey, you ain't going to be disrespecting me. Not in front of my mama, wife, kids, peers. Jesus says, yeah, I hear you. Imagine who's saying this. Like, can you? The creator of the universe. He holds it together with his breath. You think you have to tell Jesus about respect and authority? He goes on. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, I'm going to sue you for your shirt. Now, you ain't, it's my favorite shirt. No way. This is a gift. I'm not, nah. It's not right. It's not okay. He says, give him your coat. Give him your coat, too. But God, I, but there's no. And he goes on. If anyone forces you to go one mile, Go with him two miles. This is Roman government. Hey, I'm tired of carrying my stuffs. I'm uh, with this battalion, and we're walking. Um, you know, we're walking that way, and I need to carry my stuff for, for the next mile. 
kidding me? I know my rights. Yeah. You're actually required to go a mile, so that is your right. But, but can you imagine in, what would be happening in you? You kidding me? Like, there are only three left in Fortnite. No way. Right now, you're coming with me. Yeah, but Bengals are, Bengals are on a bye. Can't fool me. <laughs> Jesus said, and so, okay, you walked a mile. Okay, you're, you're done. You're my stuff. I'll find some other sucker in this community to carry my stuff. Let me take it another. Yeah, what you want to do is th- throw eggs in his backpack. That's what, that's what you want to do. Yeah, I'll be right there. <laughs> Go, go a mile. Hey, let me take it another mile. This is the Roman government. This isn't, the, this isn't a march for family values. Give to the one who begs from you. He goes on. You know how hard I work my stuff? You should get a job. Work hard like me, you have the stuff that I have. That's what you want to say. Now you might be saying, what does that have to do with submission, any of this stuff? See, it's the heart revealer. What is happening inside of you when you hear Jesus saying those things? You disrespect me, I'm going to disrespect you and your entire family. It's not to fight Dude, I, I don't know if women are this way, but many men I've talked to, like there is just something, and some of you are like, I don't want to fight anybody. But sometimes we just, just want to fight. And it shows up in the, just the dumbest ways. When we're teenagers and we're like, it shows up when we're grown men and women just wanting to say no just because I can? Jesus is like, that ought not be in the kingdom of God. So to be clear, you may say, oh, so he's a socialist. Oh, so he's a, a liberal. And, and then some other of you may say, oh, so yeah, I figured he was super right wing And here's the thing, both of you are saying, no, he's not with me. And maybe that's right where I should be then. We're not called to be any of those things, but we are called to be biblicist. We get to look at the scriptures. We get to choose our battles. We get to count it grace to seek and and to be sifted by passages like this one and many others. We get to say, what's here? What's here inside of me? What is the spirit trying to undo in me? Right? And I'm not minimizing bad leaders, but the point is if you can't follow, you can't lead. And if you can't follow Jesus wherever he leads you, you can't lead others to follow him either. That's why, that's why pastors are sheep first. 
That's why moms and dads are kids first. That's why mayors are citizens first. Okay. Let's, shall we move on? The second thing, arrogance destroys society. See, I say the word society on purpose because I don't want you to think, oh, community is a small town or my neighbor. I'm talking, uh, this, is, this is narrow in focus. It's local, but it's also cosmic, right? So kind of skim through what this stuff says. Remember, he says, the officials are roaring lions. The, the, the civil and the, the, the political leaders, they're devouring. They're angry. There's nothing good in this. The judges, they're evening wolves. And, and come morning, there's, no, there's nothing left for them to eat. The officials, the leaders, local and, and federal all of them are, are, are wicked lions devouring. And, and the judges, those that are supposed to get it right, they're supposed to have discretion and, and be able to say this is good and this is bad and this is according to the law and this is not. They're messing it up. But then it goes further. It says the prophets are fickle. This is a blinding indictment on the culture that we live in. The prophets, the truth tellers, the, one, the ones who... who uh, get the word of God to the people of God, they're fickle. That means that the truth is a shapeshifter. They're flip-floppers. The, the, the only ones who have ultimate truth, they don't even know what it is. The priests... They're unholy lawbreakers. Those that are supposed to be beacons of righteousness have grown dim and dark. The ones that are supposed to mediate between God and his people through holiness, they are unholy. Right? It's the, it's the holidays. I love this time of year. Lights are showing up, and, and that means that, that Christmas villages are sprouting up and... and and families all across the land are playing city planner as they establish and organize their little towns on their little snow-covered uh, areas in their room or, or wherever that is, right? And in any one of those worth anything, it's going to have a city building, right? And it's, and it's going to have a courthouse and maybe a police station, probably going to be around an ice skating rink. It's just the way that it is. Um, and it's going to have, and it's going to have a church. These examples cited, they're not exhaustive. He's not saying that these four, but everyone else is good. All right, it's just the officials and the judges and the prophets and the priests. He's saying all of it. He, what he's literally saying is society has, has gone to crap. All of it. When city leaders, when those responsible to write and enforce and execute the law are corrupt and they're paired with the remnant of the household of faith, those who are expected to bring light into dark places, when all of them are corrupt, it's, it's over. Not only is the, word out, uh, the world out there rejecting God's rule and his authority and his reign and his plan for community flourishing, but it's also those homes that are right here in our neighborhood. That's, that's, that's what he's telling them. Those who have made covenant with God and committed their lives to be with him and to walk in his ways, they're corrupt. 
this observable behavior, it isn't good, it isn't ideal for any leaders in any context. It isn't good for any follower in any context, in any sphere of community. But these spheres that are on Zephaniah's radar, because they are public and because the sin is pervasive, right? And so what he's basically saying is you throw a rock, you hit corruption and injustice. Wherever you stand, throw a rock, you're going to hit it. The entire Christmas village, it's on fire. Some reflection points. How about this? If you live your life and you're always mad and you think someone else is always the problem, you might be the problem. If no one in authority around you, except for the ones who literally do exactly what you would do, if no one in authority around you is competent, you might be struggling to submit to authority. Now, I'm telling you that as someone who I'm regularly frustrated by the leaders around doesn't mean that we're all rebels just when we acknowledge that, like, a coach could communicate to parents better. That's okay. We can do that. If you find yourself justifying your own position in unfair ways regularly, and then if it were flipped, then it wouldn't hold up, you might be struggling with authority. If you focus on the law all the time and technicalities and you're looking for loopholes to get you out of situations or redirect and you're not focused on the intent behind those laws to try to preserve good and, and promote common good, this, this might be a good word for you. Pride and, and arrogance of life rampant sinfulness it's it's injustice through and through when fully grown it brings forth rebellion and death and, and I, I just want to read we'll start in verse six this bleak outlook and then we'll turn it around he says i've cut off nations their embattlements are in ruins I've laid waste their streets so that no one walks in them their cities have been made desolate without a man without an inhabitant. So this is true for those outside. They saw lots of battle, cities laid to ruins. And look, these people have seen the northern kingdom fall. Their sister kingdom. So he's saying like judgment. And this is what he says. And I said, surely you will fear me. Surely you will accept correction. It's like so parental. It's like kids. You've seen the destruction around. You've seen what I've done. And I told you I was going to do it. And it happened. Surely you will fear me. And then he says, then your dwelling will not be cut off according to all that I have appointed against you. All these things I'm telling you. If you just turn but all the more, you were eager to make 
all their deeds corrupt. But you didn't see it. And you wouldn't turn. And you kept speeding and driving on this path that leads to ruin. My just judgment against you. For breaking the good of common unity within my people. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up to seize the prey. For my decision is to gather nations to assemble kingdoms. That's been his thing from the beginning. And they would say, yes, okay, now we're getting somewhere, Lord. Okay, bring it, Zephaniah. Come on, preacher. Bring the nations. He's gathering. He's going to assemble kingdoms. All right, gosh, well, I hope I get to sit next to his right hand. I hope I get to rule and reign with him. For my decision is to gather the nations, to assemble the kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation, all my burning anger, for in the fire of my jealousy all the earth shall be consumed. Oh. Doom in response to injustice, even among the people of God, Arrogance destroys society because sin breaks stuff from the home to the national, global stage. This rings true. It also brings about God's just judgment because God is good. And the last thing, society is being rebuilt. There's this glimmer. Now, Scott's preaching next week. And he gets to, like, sing the chorus, right? There's some good stuff. Of goodness, right? In verse 5, but wait, the Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice. Every morning he shows forth his justice. Each dawn, he does not fail, but the unjust knows no shame. Huge contrast. Literary contrast. Everyone else and the Lord. No one is just, but the Lord within her is righteous. The great contrast. The unjust knows no shame. They reject God. They reject humility. They reject authority and they walk in pride. Worse, they flaunt their sin like a badge of honor. There are people in this room who flaunt sin without shame, trusting in the wisdom and the appeal of this world without seeking the wisdom and the appeal of God, submitting to the appeal of the masses and rejecting the delight of the Lord. But the Lord, he walks in justice day and night. And his garments are righteousness and goodness. And he is just and love without ceasing, without wavering. As sure as the morning sun, he is good. And he is within her in the midst of his people. See, God's plan from the beginning was to establish a people. When you look at the covenants throughout this book, it's all pointing to this, that one day, just like in the beginning, God would be God, his people would be his people forever. The new heavens and the new earth, the kingdom will reign. 
That's what he's always been doing. And he set it up in part in Israel and, and King Saul and King David. And oh, this, is this the kingdom? And he said, ah, there's a king of David that will stand on my throne in righteousness, but he will reign forever. But David's dead. I know. So all of it is culminating to a, to a king and a kingdom. He set out to build a nation and a kingdom. And that mission has been hijacked on repeat by everyone who has had any stake and any hand in it. And some have set out to build their own kingdom, governed by their own rules. And some have established their own nations and claimed them as the chosen ones of God. The atrocity that confuses kingdoms of this world with, with all her self-governance and dependence with the king and the kingdom of God. But by the grace of God, through his incredible just love, he will do what he has set out to do. He has and he will establish a kingdom, a nation, a people, and that people is his church. So you wonder why Jesus, when he showed up and he started preaching, it was, listen up, the kingdom's near. Like, what? Because that's always been the plan. The kingdom is near. Repent and believe. It's, it's open to any who would humble their hearts to confess the rebel within us and plead for God in our midst. This is our hope. Although we may fail at every turn and build according to our own wisdom, God within us is righteous and God can't fail. He won't fail and his kingdom will prevail. It will be established where righteousness governs traffic jams and chaos in the hearts of every man, woman, and child he calls his own. And the leaders will be just and the judges will not be impartial and devouring, but city builders of justice. And the priests and the prophets will be confident and unwavering in truth. And holiness will be their garments from daybreak till nightfall throughout the land. That's our king who came to establish a kingdom. And the way into citizenship in that kingdom is simple. It's to repent and to believe. It's to change course. It's to acknowledge, I am the rebel. I am the broken part of society. It's not those in authority over me. It's not those that I'm in authority over that won't do as I, uh, as I call them to carry out. Believe, know him, trust him, treasure Jesus. Jesus, the perfect prophet, priest, judge, ruler, and king. Justice and love flows through his veins. And those veins spilled innocent blood for the ungodly that we might be called his own. What are we fighting What are we fighting against? His plan is that he is loving and just, and he set out to establish a people, and his plan doesn't fail. He has decided to use the church to usher in his kingdom. 
all of this is preparation for the future kingdom where justice reigns and flows through the streets like a flood. So today, may we confess ourselves rebels and seek him in humility. Ask him to, to tear us down that he might build us up. We get to turn and we get to commit to be used of God to advance good, to build his kingdom until he comes. So we get to pursue peace with God because he first pursued us. And when we find peace between us and God, we get to be people of peace to those in authority. And we get to be people of peace to those whom we have authority over. Right? What a sweet gift that flows in God's kingdom. We get to be good followers. And in and, and whatever grace he gives us, we get to be good leaders. <sighs> we get to respond. Sit right where you are. Listen to the band. Pray. Stand up. Sing. Go over to that prayer bench. Pray with someone back in the back by that red tree over there. We get to take communion. And what we're doing in this is just remembering and declaring. We remember inside of us the injustice of Jesus on the cross spilling his innocent blood for rebel me and his broken body for us by the, by the cracker. If, this, if you're not a believer, this is not for you. But if you are, we delight to celebrate alongside you by taking communion. And if you want to know more about any of this stuff or what it means, you can sit right there and you can just pray and ask God to show you. Invite him into your life. Invite you into his story. You can talk to us. We'd love to chat with you. Would you pray with me? God, what a gift. Your word of, of old to a particular people in a particular place to warn and, and to correct, to tear down so that you might build up. And would you let us live our life in a way that submits to you in all things. Even if everyone else is going the wrong way, God, would you let us not just cave into that, but would you let us seek your word and what you have shown us? Would you let us not be drawn away by all of the voices that we hear day in, day out? Would you let us be people of the word? Holy Spirit, would you gift us and build us up to advance common good? And would you let the life that we live paint a picture of, of the greater, fuller life that we're, in, that we're invited into, that we invite others into in the end of days when we are your people forever. God, we, we need you. We love you in Jesus' name.